As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. This is the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, and it's been a minute. We haven't uh, gotten together, guys, to talk a bit. Uh, we had intended for this offseason, we sort of don't so much have a regular publishing schedule as when things happen. It's like, all right, cool, let's convene and talk about that. And obviously, over the past week, uh, despite a slow-moving offseason around baseball, it was a very huge, uh, maybe not totally shocking, but a momentous week for the Cubs as they will transition from Theo Epstein as the president of baseball operations. His last day was Friday and Jed Hoyer gets the bump from GM to president. And he had his sort of introductory slash, you know, I'm the captain now. Here's my intro to the offseason press conference on Monday and uh, you guys were there, I mean, digitally, but uh, you know, let's, I guess we can circle back to Theo related stuff um, maybe at the end, but obviously that, that Jed Presser is, is fresh on our minds. It leads into this, <clears throat> excuse me, this off season that's very important for the Cubs and may be surprising in a number of regards. And so I don't know, I'll throw it to you guys to discuss uh, your impressions from that uh, press conference and then we'll we'll take it from there yeah first of all for me I think it's uh, it's the first moment we're seeing Jed in charge right Jed's the guy and maybe I'm starting I I looking at him differently as far as how he handles us now and he's probably always been like this but his answers just uh I remember maybe it was the first or second answer uh I was like that's it I'm used to Jed go, I mean, Theo going for like two minutes on a question like that. And, and Jed had, you know, a couple sentences and he was good. That's all he was giving us. And that's, it's not that it was bad. It's just, you get so used to Theo being, uh, giving the answer and, and so much more. And then it's like, 
when I say so much more, sometimes it's not even a ton of substance, right? It's just there. There's just a lot there and you can break it down however you want to and use it in different ways. But uh, Jed is uh, either like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go there. And when he says I'm not going to go there, that's the end. Because Theo will even say that. Theo would say that where, yeah, I don't really want to touch on that. But and then he'll do something like adjacent to that that still helps you out in some way. Jed wasn't playing that, and and Jed doesn't. Jed's just pretty straightforward, and if he doesn't want to touch a subject, he's he's not going to touch it at all. Uh, I came away. Uh, I I would say I I've been looking at this offseason as yes, it's a very complicated one, and and things don't look great as far as the immediate future and how to kind of extend this window is going to be hard. Uh, I came away even feeling even more like oof, this is going to be really. Uh, dark in a sense. It, it feels like this offseason is a tough one in general for teams across baseball. I just don't, I, I'm struggling to find a reason to be like, yeah, 2021 should be a solid season for the Cubs. And, and I can see how they can really uh, extend this and make it a bright future beyond that. Uh, there's ways to do one or the other, I think. Uh, more likely the, the latter as far as extending things and making things look better beyond 2021. But I don't know how you balance both. And I came away thinking about that Theo's initial presser where he talked about dual tracks and, you know, we can do both. We can we can rebuild the farm system and win. And it just wasn't. I don't know if it wasn't true, but it wasn't realistic. I don't see how Jed can do both. And I think we're headed towards a, a tough 2021 at minimum. Yeah, I was struck by Brett was kind of real time tweeting this and wrote about it on Bleacher Nation. Just this idea of like, there's not one like takeaway quote that you put in all caps that says everything about the Cubs. It was more just the, the tone the kind of the things left unsaid. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out how much of that is. Look, we didn't expect any like anything like great. There was going to be no fireworks after. I mean, look at how they were operating uh, in the best of times when, you know, the the Daniel Descalso contract that we'll be referencing for years is the biggest outlay. They laid off more than 100 people uh in the organization, uh, the you know Tom Ricketts has told ESPN these are biblical losses, and the Cubs are claiming, I think, a hundred forty million dollar loss, net loss this year. So like, that was kind of what our expectations were, and I do think it'll be interesting to kind of figure out Jed as the number one executive because I do think some of this is just how Jed is wired. Um, he's been known as he's great at these GM meetings that we cover for all these national writers or the writers from Boston, um, from San Diego who want like a quote on like the state of baseball or like uh, a quote about a guy that Jed used to work with or, or any big picture idea. But there are lots of times over the last nine years we've known him where if you get too specific about something that's kind of uh, still in play, he clams up immediately. And uh, I'm not sure how much of it was just who he is, maybe the fact that, you know, it was his first press conference and the, the boss is there on the Zoom and you don't want to just kind of immediately uh, tell the world that Chris Bryan is on the trade block, even though everyone knows that's the case. But yeah, I mean, the Theo's first presser was this kind of like celebration about renewal and hope. And 
this was very 2020 on brand for 2020, I'd say. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think that uh, you nailed it there, Patrick. I mean, I guess you nailed it that I nailed it. So uh, kudos to you for <laughs> for appropriately acknowledging uh, me nailing it. But I, it was, um, you know, all the right things were said about the idea of like, you know, it, it almost it was missing that every season is sacred line. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it but it definitely it, it almost would be like the T-shirt version of that now. Well, every season is sacred, but. Uh, I just felt like everything could have had but after it. Um, and it is absolutely true that the NL Central in 2021 is going to be wide open. I just I don't envision a scenario where any of the five teams leaves this offseason looking like, holy crap, that's just a dominant team, so you can't compete. But at the same time, see, there's that but. Um, you know, Jed did circle back to that longer term view several times and he, you know, he phrased it in a way that's open-ended and non-specific. Um, but he said multiple times that the eye maybe now is a little bit more on the long term. And what I didn't get from that, you know, in, in the last three years, we've obviously talked about this idea of threading the needle. It was a buzz phrase that they had offered, that idea that you can still be good in the near term while simultaneously making opportunistic moves to to improve for the long term. Maybe that don't hurt you too much in the short term so you can still compete. What I did anyway, what I didn't get the sense was that this time uh there, I, I don't know. We we joked earlier when we were podcasting a couple months ago about the idea that they um, talk the talk at the end of the season about not running it back, just running it back, about trying to do these various things. Um, and then ultimately they've run it back a couple years in a row after disappointing seasons. Um, this time, I definitely, I don't know, you could take this hopefully or negatively as you want, but in addition to the overall vibe of feeling like, oh my, there's going to be some payroll slashing. Uh, I also got the vibe that no, seriously, this time, I think you're going to find that there will be um, substantial changes to the roster. It just isn't necessarily going to be um, with an eye toward putting the foot down toward 2021. It's, it's I think... I felt like it was more about, look, we've got to do some reality check things uh, that will necessarily involve chopping off some payroll. And if it can help for the long term, great, cool, awesome. But really, the focus is going to be just setting our feet underneath us next year. And, you know, maybe they can still flip a coin and compete in 2021 because the NL Central is going to be shitty. But uh yeah, it it didn't feel to me like a situation where in the past 
they talked big about wanting to make substantial changes and then didn't. This felt like talking almost like, um, yeah, this is where I wanted to go with this. Talking almost like um, shyly, disappointingly about like, yeah, we got to make some changes and it ain't going to be good. Yes. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's how I've come away feeling that they're they're looking at things now that it's almost as as if really hard decisions need to be made and they're not going to be fun decisions that's why i mean i started off that's why my piece about jed is basically like he's got like his first moves like are kind of oversized as far as how how much they're going to impact the rest of his tenure right i mean maybe i'm completely wrong on that maybe Whatever they get or, you know, whatever little or a lot they get for Bryant really won't be that significant, right? And maybe Bryant really is going to be uh, on and off the D- the IL for much of his career and he just doesn't have that impact offense left in his career, right? So maybe that's not a significant move, but it feels like what you do with Bryant right now can set the course for the next five years and really help you determine how things go. Uh, and, and that just feels like when I, when I focus just on that move alone, it doesn't, it doesn't lead to a positive place for the Cubs, right? Like how do you, how can you possibly swing this transaction, whatever it may be with Bryant into something that's a net positive over the next half decade for this team and I, I'm struggling to find a good answer that's realistic, right? Uh, you look at the possible trade candidates as far as teams that you could link up with with the with Bryant, and it's what the Nationals, the Red Sox, uh, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Braves, uh, the Mets. I, how many of those teams outside of the Braves and Dodgers who aren't going to likely be aggressively pursuing Bryant uh, – can even offer something that would be like, yeah, that's a great package. Yeah, that's that's something that really intrigues you, right? So, I mean, that's what you're working with just from the start. And the second part is, like, Brian just isn't going to net that much right now in today's game, the way things work. It's just, it, overall, baseball's in a tough place. The Cubs just feel like they're really, I, I want to say that the Cubs aren't a bad team, right? They just won their division. You look at the talent, and Jed said this, they're good enough to win their division again just on talent alone. But for some reason, it just doesn't feel like the arrow can be pointing up or even sideways for this group right now. And it, and it's what we've talked about for months and years now, right? All these guys coming up on their contracts and and just the lack of impact talent at the upper levels of the minor league system. So it it, it just feels like this transition isn't going to be a smooth one in the sense that uh, what did Ricketts say? Uh, I think it was either Ricketts or Theo via Ricketts basically saying, we don't want to be a team that uh, has to kind of reset every couple of years. We're going to be a team that can competes year in and year out, right? I don't know how you pull that off right now. Maybe that's the long-term plan. That was obviously the original plan nine years ago, and they didn't nail it as they had hoped. Uh, I I struggle to see how the Cubs aren't headed towards a down period and not just like a – I'm talking about a down period that kind of looks like what the Red Sox were uh, if they hadn't won that one Ben Charrington uh, World Series in 2013. Uh, that was a, there were a few years of bad Red Sox teams, right? And 
are the Cubs headed for that? I don't know how bad it gets. I, I when when we talk about threading the needle and when you talk about the moves that need to be made and how you do this, it just seems like a near impossible task. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but I I don't know. It, it doesn't have to be like rock bottom here. Like I I, I know it's going to be tough for Jed, but I, I'm just wondering how much they can just kind of. I don't know, not put their foot on the accelerator and, and ease up a bit. And maybe it's just about giving opportunities, whether it's to Alec Mills, Robert Azulay. Uh If you trade Wilson Contreras, who should probably bring in a better haul uh, than what Sahadev outlined for Chris Bryant, is that enough to kind of uh, – disrupt the group or you know kind of change the mix uh do you believe in this pinching infrastructure and you know think you can kind of get more out of this um and and maybe hit on you know on a ton of free agents who are going to be looking for jobs in february i just think the mar there's almost no margin for error here i think you know the the team that shows up to mesa whenever that is hopefully it's february uh you know maybe is kind of like an 85 win team and everything has to kind of break right and everyone knows that there's going to be huge sell off at the trade deadline um if things don't go well but i don't know if you're cubs fans if they trade wilson extend one of javi uh, or Rizzo, if they have enough in there to essentially do what they did last winter. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't think they have to absolutely crash. I think that's what ownership has told Jed. I think he understands that. I don't think we're ever going to – we're not going to have another 2012 where they're going to expect to lose 100 games. I think it's just kind of – they're going to pass. They're not going to be trading prospects the way they did uh, under Theo. Um, and they're not going to kind of sign a Craig Kimbrell, you know, a closer to a huge deal like that. And I think this transition, as we've talked about before, started when they overhauled scouting and player development and brought in David Ross and reshaped the coaching staff. And these changes, it's not like Theo quit and then all of a sudden the Cubs realize, oh, we got to, you know, mix things up here. I mean, this has been going on for well over a year now. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I think a lot of what we're circling here and maybe saying it in different ways. And again, neither Tom Ricketts nor Jed Hoyer were going to say it explicitly. But I feel, you know, it was a it was a rumored report out there last week. And and with apologies, I, I can't recall who had this phrasing, but it's really stuck with me. And it's this idea of a, quote, heavy restart. Um Yeah, that's some wordsmithing. That's some playing with ideas. But the reason it works for me is because precisely what you guys are saying, 
the Cubs are not in a situation where a total sell-off teardown is either warranted or even necessarily the right idea, both because the near-term competitiveness is possible, even as you restart, um, but also because I'm not sure that they've got the pieces to really generate the kind of substantial value where it's worth tearing down for a couple of years and then and dealing with that. Moreover, they're not also they're also not in a spot where they could move just one or two pieces, the guys they kind of want to move anyway, and get substantial value. Like if you only find what you can get for Chris Bryant right now, and maybe also Kyle Schwarber, you're not getting a lot in return. That is not fundamentally changing your long-term organizational outlook. It might ding you in 2021, but it's really not going to change things for the long term. And so to me, it's never made a lot of sense to go that route. Uh, it, it, even as I say, it doesn't make sense to do a total teardown. Um, that makes more sense than sort of like not doing anything. And so to that end, that's why this is sort of, I don't know, not quite a total rebuild, but a pretty substantial maneuvering of the roster this year, uh, where you do consider moving a Chris Bryant and a Kyle Schwarber and maybe a couple longer-term valuable pieces at the height of their value, with an eye specifically toward a, a reset in 2022. Uh, because you do have a couple things working. I know fans always want that, right? You want as short a rebuild as possible, but I do think the Cubs have a couple things working for them that that does make sense. Um, the pieces that they might move might be able to generate them value in 2022 and beyond, if not 2021. Financially, the Cubs should be in a much better place after this coming season than they are right now. The market should be in a fundamentally different place next year. And uh, lastly, the... God, my brain is just a disaster today. I keep having these... <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. You can leave this in the podcast. I'm like, well, they can, people, you know, folks can be listening. They'll be like, I don't know what's wrong with Brett today. Um, all right. Moreover, <laughs> you do have a, a free agent market next year and the year after that do project to be pretty attractive and compelling. And I'm not saying you you compete on the back of free agency alone, but if the Cubs were in a position where they didn't completely tear down, but they kind of took a step back this year, that the free agent market the next two years is going to be in a position to supplement very strongly if you have put yourself in a position financially to do that. And so um, there are a lot of reasons why, to me, this idea of a heavy restart, which is like, again, something less than a total sell-off teardown, but something quite a bit more than just let's move the one or two guys we want to move anyway and then just eh, see what happens. Uh, it's very compelling to me. And that does feel to me consistent with this the vibe I was getting from that press conference yesterday. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to, if that's the definition of a heavy restart, I guess I can, I can, it is. Everybody knows that's <laughs> one it. man's heavy restart is another man's significant retooling. I think that that was thrown out there yesterday on the Zoom. Significant retooling. That's a good one. We could do an entire 15 minute set on just all of the euphemisms for, for what we're trying to describe. Yeah. Significant retooling was another one. I, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to call it. Yes. I think there's a way the ultimate, uh, I, I agree with you. I like the point about, the potential for finances for this team to once again be a player in free agency, right? We, it has been a long time. I mean, in, 
when I say long time, it's been a few years for a team that we viewed coming into this window of contention as this is a, a financial powerhouse, right? That's what we were thinking they could become or be uh, to go this many off seasons. This will be the third straight off season where we're in all likelihood, we're going to look back after this off season and say three off seasons. Now biggest, biggest free agent signing is Daniel Descalso, right? I mean, uh, who's going to bet against that right now? Does anyone want to come out? Do either of you want to say, no, I think they're going to sign a bigger free agent this this winter? I'm not ready to say that. So that's that's concerning to me. But the so I guess my point is they damn well better be spending in one of those next few off seasons, right? This is the Chicago Cubs. I understand we're in a very unique uh, situation this winter, but I'm saying going forward, unless things somehow take a turn for the worse in this country, they have to be spending. It is, it is absolutely imperative for this team to be a player in free agency for significant free agents going forward. I'm not saying that's their only route to success, but that's how you build teams. That's how you build a better team unless you start nailing some big trades. Uh, but, I mean, they need to be a player in free agency again. They they need to nail some of these moves. I, I think they also need to get creative. We talk about trading Wilson Contreras. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think it's ridiculous to suggest, and I haven't heard this. This is just me trying to think outside the box. When you hear that the Tampa Bay Rays uh, are looking for a catcher, they don't want an expensive catcher, right? They don't want someone near free agency. That's not how the Rays do things. Does a challenge trade with the with the Rays make sense? Are they interested in Miguel Amaya, and can you get a, uh, a AAA pitcher where they're just stocked with pitching? Every pitcher that they bring up is is impact level. Or can you trade uh, for a pitcher that, you know, maybe uh, entering his expensive years, quote unquote, uh, and, and move Miguel Amaya for him? Uh, again, just totally speculating and trying to think outside the box of how how you can create a team that that uh, wins and, and also you know, doesn't completely fall off a cliff in 2021, but also it looks better for the future. Uh, that that's what they're going to have to do. Right. And then what, what uh, Patrick said about, they have to look on the margins too. They have to hit on the small signings. They have to find the next Jason Adam. They need to make sure that, uh, you know, the pitching development, uh, infrastructure is, is effective and, and, uh, more, pitchers like Albert Alzali emerge, right? More guys that have the talent but haven't quite put it together start putting it together. Uh, I don't want to make it too gloom and doom because I do think that when, when you talk about Alzali, when you talk about Mills, that's not a terrible back of the rotation. If, if that's your four and five, if you can find a three, I don't think that's terrible. It's about depth and 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 and. Depth. How are you finding that three? Though? <laughs> yeah, no, Sorry. no, you're right. I, I don't mean to jump in. No, you're you're one hundred percent. I appreciate right. where you're going, but it is yeah. It's like wait a minute. If they're not going to spend any money, they don't have any pieces that are really going to generate that value in trade. If if they didn't. It's like they're not finding a three. There is yeah, no three no, that they're, you know, you're, you're like, sorry. You're right. I, In all likelihood, they can't just, uh, I mean, I guess the best case scenario is Alzali is that three, right? I, I'm I'm high on Alzali right now because there were real changes and, and adjustments made. Uh, it's about staying healthy and consistent, right? So I want to see it over more than whatever it was, two starts that he did it or two outings, I guess, that he did it. Uh, but, but 
that's a guy that that looks all of a sudden like, hey, the pitching development isn't as terrible as we thought, right? And maybe this new pitching development is working. Uh, who who knows? You know, one one point of evidence there, one point of evidence with Jason Adam, and plenty of other points of evidence that frustrate Cubs fans. So so I don't want to jump too far ahead there, but yeah. There, there's little bits of things that make you say, OK, there's pieces here and there, but it, it just really gets – they have to – I guess ultimately what I'm saying is the moves that are going to work, the the moves that, that may end up making this look better in the long run are not ones – uh, that are obvious right now to any of us, I don't think. And and I also don't think when they happen, we'll be too aware of them as being, wow, wow, that actually turned out to be a really significant move, right? I think for this to work, there are going to have to be some things where we look back a year, two years, whatever, and say, they were right on that. They nailed that. And nobody realized uh, what, what kind of value they were getting in that trade. Uh, so it, it Ultimately, what I'm saying is they're going to have to surprise us a little bit, right? They're going to have to show us that uh, all these changes uh, that, you know, Jed Hoyer has learned a lot over these, uh, whatever, nearly two decades of being by uh, Theo Epstein's side, that that the changes that they made to everything from player development to amateur scouting, they nailed, uh, that R&D really has uh, grown and, and become this powerhouse uh, department for the Cubs. I, I mean, that's all these things that are going on behind the scenes, we're going to need to see it pay off. Yeah, it's definitely time to think outside the box and maybe like find some guys who used to play for the Red Sox or couldn't make the Padres <laughs> bullpen. Just really kind of bold and innovative stuff for the Cubs, um, but I I kid because I do think Jed Hoyer has an advantage in that. Look, I think it'd be really hard to come in right now and replace a legend and get a feel for a staff that has just been decimated by layoffs or kind of uh, understand the politics and the culture of the business side in the middle of a pandemic when the Wrigley office uh, is closed. And I do think Jed's institutional knowledge uh, will really benefit him here because, I, I don't know, I mean, the Ricketts Ownership Group is good in that from Theo's perspective or Jed's perspective is they just say, here's money, you do with it what you want. You know, Tom Ricketts isn't like, hey, I got this friend in Arizona who should really manage our baseball team, we're going to hire him. That he just kind of lets them <laughs> do whatever they want. And, you know, that makes sense. The only issue here is they've got to be thinking like, dude, you can't tear this down right now. Like, we're going to open up Wrigley Field and be like, we just traded all of our best players. Well, we haven't signed any free agents. Uh, we have this network that had a really rocky launch in year one. And, like, who's going to tune in for year two? Um, so I think it'll be, I think that's a, you know, fascinating aspect of this. It just is kind of like beneath the surface. And not to uh, diminish Jed's kind of stature within your organization, but Theo, um, you know, right or wrong, you know, he wasn't perfect, but he had an absolute presence. Like, what Theo said carried a ton of weight you know inside and outside the organization and for Jed as someone who is widely respected certainly trusted uh, accomplished experience all of those things it's just different being the number one guy and how he navigates that and how they 
work together to get this thing back up and running. I mean, uh, they're kind of really pinning their hopes here on, you know, like everyone else, you know, great news on the vaccine front and kind of therapeutics and a you know comprehensive testing system to where things can get, you know, get back up and running to where, where they were before. I think that's all a really good point. And that ties to a really good question that you asked yesterday, Patrick, of Tom Ricketts. Um, and it, it was interesting to me because he actually said quite a bit more than I would have expected. When you asked in relation to kind of all this stuff we've been talking about on this episode, uh, you led Tom Ricketts toward the question of, look, you know, fans probably gonna be coming back. You want to have a good product for them. Does that factor into things? And, um, you know, and, but if, if Jed wanted to, to tear things down, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Great question. I love to think about that potential interplay between the realities of the business side and the competitiveness on the baseball side. And how do you navigate those things when you don't want to tell your baseball guys what to do? And Ricketts initially said exactly what I would have expected, which is like, look, I, you know, Jed's the guy. I don't, I don't interfere with that stuff. And I do believe that, that that's been the case with the Ricketts family, that they have not really stepped on any toes on the baseball side. But then Ricketts added, oh, I don't think anybody's talking about tearing anything down. We have a good team. We, you know, we're looking to be competitive. That surprised me that he added that because he very easily could have left it at, um, well, I defer to my baseball guys, period, full stop. Um, did, was I alone in feeling like that was a, a contemplative pushback, um, to what was embedded in your question, Mooney, that like, um, in a way he was almost answering your question with a, yeah, we're going to try to be competitive next year because we do have those, um, other factors in mind uh, that we want to be competitive next year. We are hoping fans can come back. We have a new network that's launched. So I don't think anybody's thinking of tearing anything down. Uh, I mean, how, how could he say that, right? Without having those conversations with Jed. Um, I, I, that it just really stood out to me. I just am not used to Ricketts even commenting at all on sort of a baseball operations side of things. Am I the only one to whom that kind of jumped out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely... My ears perked up when he specifically said, I don't think anybody's talking about a rebuild, right? And I assume, uh, you know, it, Jed didn't like, su like, Jed isn't just now sitting down to break down the roster. He's like, oh, I'm team president now, better get on this and start having discussions, right? They've, I, I assume they're all. They're, By the way, Tom. <laughs> like, they've, uh, they've had discussions throughout. I mean, part of the reason I think Theo stepped away is because they were having those discussions. What do we need to do? What is what's the task at hand? How do we see it best? Uh, you know, like what's the best path to take and how do we get there? Not just like what's the best path to take as far as leadership, but for the organization. Right. How do we what does this team need now? What are the moves that need to be made? Those discussions were happening as they tried to figure out what Theo's role would be going forward. Is, is he staying or not? Right. And I think uh, when, when they realized how big of a task it was, I think that's what was all being hashed out. Right. So he, he should know. I think he should have a pretty strong idea of the direction Jed wants and the options that Jed has laid out and the ideas that that he may have, at least in general. Right. Uh, so I think there was some truth to that. And I do think it was significant. And I, I do wonder now that you pose it, like how much of it was, how much of that is based on the points Patrick made, right? 
how much of that is based on just pure baseball stuff that Jed may, you know, like pure baseball wise, does Jed see this and say, you know what, the best thing is a teardown. And while they were having the discussion, they're like, you got to factor in marquee, you got to factor in, we have fans coming in and we need to put out a product uh, to make them interested in coming back to Wrigley. All these things are going on. Uh, you can't just, we can't do this rebuild. And, and just Ricketts general desire to not go through that again. Like we've heard him say this, I don't want to go through a rebuild again. So, so I do wonder if there's pushback from ownership on that. I, it's impossible to know for sure, uh, just based on that answer, but it, it, Brett bringing it up does make me start thinking about it. I actually thought it was uh, a moment that stood out to me. It was like for Rick, it's roughly 90 seconds into this talking about the significant, the redesign of our scouting and player development departments last year. And for kind of canned prepared remarks, I thought that was somewhat revealing and speaks to what we've talked before. I believe Sahadev brought it up several episodes ago of like, how this is viewed internally is that it's not just before and after Theo. It's kind of the stuff that they had done after the 2019 season, all of the conversations and uh, kind of breakdowns that led to that of why they needed to overhaul some stuff uh, on the amateur scouting side in the draft room, technology, player development, uh, kind of finding better connectors to make, all these things run. And I do think that um, I guess nothing exists in a vacuum. Right. But Ricketts a lot of the time kind of speaks common sense and kind of advocates for things that I think Cubs fans for years kind of wanted. Now it's kind of impossible to separate that because of all of the complications surrounding his family, all of the history we've seen over the last decade of getting Wrigley renovated and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do think, you know, when they took over, you know, it was like the Phillies had just won world series and like, you know, the tigers were kind of in the middle of their run. And, you know, we really haven't heard from those teams in a really long time. And I think there is a genuine desire to avoid just totally bottoming out, which I think is good from a fan's perspective. Um, I think it's also hard though, for, Cubs fans to read about, you know, potentially $100 million in historic tax credits and Rickett saying, no, I mean, that's part of the stadium financing plan. You know, that's not uh, a part of it. And so I think all these things are kind of swirling about. And that's why, um, you know, Jed Hoyer has a, a difficult job, uh, a great job. There's only like 30 of these, you know, in the world, but um, how, however they sort this out, it's not going to be easy. And it's going to be, you know, kind of great and entertainment for us trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. All right. Concluding thing then, uh, to try to bring it back. We, this has been a good combo using the Theo presser, the jet presser to kind of talk about the off season as a whole and even some longer term stuff than that. But let's bring in, uh, near term because folks will be wondering about this and you asked about it very pointedly Sahadev, and it's this uh in nine days is the tender deadline for arbitration eligible players uh famously the cubs have uh chris bryant javi baez kyle schwarber among others to whom they can but do not have to tender a contract for next year uh to which a certain arbitration salary will be attached and you essentially asked you know 
I don't know if you mentioned Chris Bryant by name, but it sure sort of felt like Chris Bryant was the thrust of the question. You know, you gave Jed the opportunity to rule out the possibility of a non-tender for a star like Chris Bryant, and he declined. He, I mean, he, he almost just flatly said, "Yeah, I decline to comment on that." <laughs> did you know? I you wrote about it, fantastic piece at the Athletic. Check it out, folks. But did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? Was that an answer that you expected? I know you mentioned this earlier in the pod with like Theo, would, or maybe that was you, Mooney, that said it, but Theo would sometimes give you that flat response and then add a little bit of color and context for you to work with. Whereas Jed, it was just like a, nah, not going to talk about that. Um, how did how did that strike you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I didn't specifically ask about Bryant, so I don't want to say that he was directly responding to a Bryant question uh but I do think it matters. I do think uh, if you're going to non-tender any of those guys, I don't care if it's Kyle Schwarber. If people think Kyle Schwarber is no good, he's. I, I don't. I don't agree with that assessment of Kyle Schwarber. And I also think uh, giving non-tendering a player like Kyle Schwarber would be a foolish move as well. Uh, but yes, I came away from that thinking like, if any of this stuff is on the table, that's really like I don't care if there's a one percent chance. That's bad. That that should, these things should not be on the table. Uh, I understand we're in a terrible place uh, as far as finances go and where baseball is and and how many people are losing their jobs. All those things I'm I'm well aware. Believe me, I've had friends that have lost jobs. It's not. It sucks. Uh, but but it's just such. It sends such a terrible signal to your fans. To uh, to everyone, it's a it's a terrible way for if if it's on the table and if something like that were to happen, that would be the worst way for Jed Hoyer to start his tenure as team president. First of all, it'd be a terror. I don't care about the criticisms for Chris Bryant. I'm not interested in relitigating whether he's great or average or bad. Uh, it would be a terrible end to his tenure. And it would just, I mean, just thinking about the fact that they gamed his service time to get that extra year, and now they're searching for a way to get out of it. Um, it, it that that last that last year is suddenly like, what do we do with this? Instead of, hey, we got an extra year of Chris Bryant that we manipulated to get. Uh, how awesome is this? Former MVP, you know. Uh, it's just. It just really feels like a. I think it puts the exclamation point on, on how difficult of a task Jed Hoyer is is faced with, and it really and and just the idea to me that it's an option is is a very bad look. And if it ever were to happen, it would be one of the most embarrassing moves in, in for an organization to ever pull off. I, I I don't see how you could argue that it's not embarrassing and and just. It would be shocking and embarrassing for a team to do that. Uh, I think it's a complete waste of I don't like calling players assets, so I'm not going to call him an asset. But uh, it's a complete waste of Chris Bryant and the value that he provides. Again, not interested in relitigating Bryant's value. I think we all agree that he's he's pretty valuable as a player when he's healthy. But uh but it just it just seems like such a bad place to to start things off with. I don't think it'll happen. I, I want to emphasize that. I think I wrote that. It's the least likely scenario. I think there's a very, very, very small chance. I When people say there's a 0% chance, I can just tell you that they're wrong and that the fact that they're wrong bothers me. I just like seeing Sadev get so fired up. That I, I was like, that's... Yeah. I, can't really <laughs> I know, it's great. And um, I was going to... So I have a good 
some may have a good rap from that, which is <laughs> loved Sahadev's take there. All that is spot on. Um, and I think that to leave people with that on a more positive note, if you are, this isn't quite conspiracy theory level thinking, but it is sort of like some galaxy brain trade rumor thinking. Okay. So I'm going to leave you folks with this. Maybe everything Sahadev said is correct. Or maybe Jed is like some serious 3D chess thinking, and it's this. If he says today, oh yeah, we're definitely, and again, Jed was not specifically asked or talking about Chris Bryant, but we're going to imagine that he was talking about Chris Bryant. If Jed says today, oh yeah, we're definitely tendering Chris Bryant, duh, look at Sahadev's face. He'd be so pissed if we didn't, <laughs> uh, if we didn't tender him. We're going to tender him. There'd be all these amazing uh, screenshots of Sahadev's angry face floating around the internet if we, if we didn't. So of course we're going to tender him. Here's what the Cubs lose by saying that. Okay. It's not a lot, but if they were engaged in trade talks with multiple teams on December 1st, who already knew, oh yeah, the Cubs are definitely going to tender then what Jed wouldn't be able to do is say, hey guys, here's the deal. We don't think we can tender Chris Bryant, okay? So we, we got to trade him today. And so uh, if you don't uh, come to us with the deal now, we got to non-tender him and then he's a free agent. He can sign with anybody. You're not going to get him. So you need to, to jump on this now. Now this only works if you believe that Chris Bryant's trade value is almost nothing, which we can get into that. I, I tend to think it is pretty close to very, very small. And so you preserve in that case, you preserve a tiny bit of leverage, the leverage of free agency, that if you don't trade for him now, he's going to become a free agent and you don't get him. So by leaving it ambiguous and open, Jed preserves that tiny little threat of, oh yeah, yeah we might not tender him. Uh, so there you go. You guys can, you can leave it and ponder those possibilities. And I can't tell from out of you know furrowed expression if he's like man that is some bullshit i or i think he, it's i think it's a i get where you're coming from i just think it it is I'm not it's saying, a bit galaxy i'm brain. not saying yeah, I know. it's true i'm just saying yeah it's a bit galaxy brain and it and it basically what what you're saying is you're getting uh you know a, a non-prospect for chris bryant like yeah that's i i just we yeah. can get into that i yeah i don't think you're getting a you're not getting an impact prospect. Not even I'm not saying an impact Bryant. prospect, but like you, you're leveraging that. If if that's your leverage, uh, you're basically saying I know that's yeah, giving that's me yes, like all the leverages. You get him before anyone else can get him, but it's approximately market price, and there's you know yeah, it would have to be like a, I mean, what would be the return? I mean, the return would be so minimal, it would be like insignificant. Mm, I mean, I I'm I'm. I'm publicly declared as I think the Cubs can and should target sort of some post hype guys that yeah. you, know, you think about like I think a Jake Arrieta yeah. type, not of course the results of Jake Arrieta, but that type of a guy who's come up was, was hyped, has the talent, but has sort of started to flame out um, because I think you can sell that trade a little easier to fans and you might end up getting more value than getting a, a C plus prospect. Yeah. And I agree with that. And I think that's a realistic scenario and, and probably a smart way to, to kind of go about it. But I also think that if, if you're going about it with uh, the leverage situation that you, that you just brought about, then you're not getting even that you're getting uh, one of uh, like some low a guy that doesn't, that has a ceiling of like, maybe is a, you know, uh, you know, 25th man on the roster someday. Is that's how I view it? A, a non-prospect, yeah. essentially. Yeah, 
I mean, we're in degrees of separation there. I, I basically agree with you. Uh, way to, it's good. You did a good job bringing everybody back down. Like I had tried to, I tried to wrap this in a nice place. You know, it, look, we haven't talked to our wonderful listeners in yeah. a while. So I was trying to like leave a happy spot. And then you just had to I just, go. I and, can't uh, accept any decisions being made of money where money trumps winning. It frustrates me. I, I don't like that. And, and, I, and I don't think fans should ever accept it. See, I root for money, so I don't. <laughs> I don't really. I I can't relate. Um, I hope the Cubs are the financial champions of 2021, <laughs> and uh, we will look forward to deconstructing that all year long. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening. Make sure you are uh, subscribing. This is on to Waveland. You can get us anywhere you get your podcasts. You could tell your friends over Thanksgiving. Perhaps you can uh, on your Thanksgiving zooms. You can tell them about this great, uplifting Cubs podcast <laughs> you heard on the Athletic. That's the Hot of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Read their great stuff at the Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we will see you again soon when there is good and lovely Cubs stuff to discuss, which, I mean, news is coming one way or another. December 2nd, tender deadline. Stay tuned. Peace. Peace.